Welcome to sermons from First Alliance Church, equipping you to become a fully devoted and faithfully engaged disciple of Jesus. Here's today's message. All right, good morning everyone and welcome. Thanks for continuing with us in our service. My name is Pastor Tim Sridharan and I'm one of the interim co-lead pastors here at First Alliance. Now, for those who've just finished their G1 or M1 and you've learned to drive, this is a basic review. I hope you get this right. This shouldn't be too hard. But a question for the audience, what do you do when you come to a red light? That's good. Stop. All right. Perfect. All right. What do you do when you go see a green light? Go. All right. Let's get a little harder. What do you do when you get to a yellow light? I hear lots of different answers. Kind of stopped. I'm more of the, uh, like, I'm more of the guy that's like, accelerate as fast as you can to get through that light before it changes red. But here's a question. What do you do when you get to a yield sign? <laughs> Keep driving, stop, go, lots of slow down, pay attention. Yeah, there's a lot of things you have to be aware of when you hit a yield sign. When you come to a yield sign, you have to be ready to stop, you have to be ready to go, you have to be ready to slow down and wait for that opening to occur. And today, as we conclude our series on prayer, as we've been talking about pray as pause, rejoice, ask, and yield, I hope today that our time in Scripture will help us to see that to yield in prayer is to make ourselves ready to respond to God's call for our lives, whether that means to go, whether that means to stop, or slow down and wait for his timing. I think it's important to go back to last week. We've been talking about prayer for the last four uh, public worship times that we've had. And last week we talked about asking, and Pastor Andrew talked about asking. He did a great job. We ask like what? Like his children asking for candy at 8 a.m. in the morning. We ask unashamedly going to our Heavenly Father because he loves us, cares for us, and wants to give us the desires of our hearts. The attitude we take in prayer is to, to ask confidently and stand in our identity as children of God and to be unashamed in our asking. And as we continue on today into yield, it's the same thing. We ask unashamedly, yet we also yield in prayer. And yielding is more about our attitude. It is to ask unashamedly, but to recognize that we might not know what is best for us or what we truly need, so we yield and put ourselves in a position to follow God's will, whether that means stopping, going, or slowing down. If you have your Bibles, feel free to open up to Matthew 28. That'll be our, sorry, Matthew 26. That'll be our text for today. But before we dive into it, let me just open us in a word of prayer. Father, we just say thank you. Thank you for this new year. And through the uncertainty that 2022 brings, the changes that we were not expecting, we thank you and praise you that you are a good God. As we come before you today in prayer, as we have been unpacking what it means to pause, to rejoice, to ask, and to yield, come Holy Spirit, and may we see more of Jesus. May we realize that to yield is to make ourselves ready to respond to your call for our lives. So prepare our hearts, and may the words that I speak uh, be for your glory. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen. Whether at home or here in person, feel free to grab your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 26, We're in, we'll start off in verse 36, and kind of keep the text, whether on your phone or in your lap in front of you, open. If you have a pew Bible, you're new here, feel free to open up to page 808. 
Matthew 26, verse 36 to 45. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and his two sons of Zebedee and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he farther, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. But when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them, once, he, so, and, so he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. When he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look. The hour has come. The Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of sinners. The word of the Lord. Today, as we, our hope for, my hope for us today as we unpack this text is that we will see three things. We will see that yielding is a process. Yielding makes us more like Jesus. And yielding will look different for each of us where we are in our lives. Let's let the text shape how we understand yielding as a process. In verse 36, I love this, we come to this text and Jesus is coming to his death. He's about to be arrested, beaten, persecuted, and murdered on the cross. Yet as he approaches that time, what does he do? He doesn't spend more time teaching his disciples, even though he's done that in the Last Supper. He takes time to stop and go and pray. And I don't know about you, but for my life, when I was preparing this text, when I'm going through something that's heavy uh, and there's lots to do and there's a busyness ahead of me, I often don't stop to carve out time to be this intentional in prayer. But here is Jesus taking a moment to go away and pray. Why? Because he wants to enter into God's presence and journey in God's presence into this difficult season that lays ahead of him. Yet there's a beauty here in his prayer as well. He takes along Peter as well as the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with him. And what does he do? It's the word of God says he began to be sorrowful and troubled, and he tells them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus could have easily gone and prayed on his own. And when I think about prayer, when I grew up thinking about prayer, I often thought about prayer as something, you know, those great prayer warriors do. They go and hide away. They can pray for like an hour or two or four hours on their own before God. And I just kind of envied them, and I wanted to be a person who could pray like that. Yet here's Jesus going before his heavenly Father, and he invites the 11 to go with him, but then takes those three closest disciples with him so that they can learn and stand with him. Jesus is honest with them. He shares how he's doing. And, and just to go back to that point, that he takes others with him. Often we see prayer as an individual activity. But for us in the church of God, like the 
Prayer is something corporate. It's something that we do together. And we've had the privilege this past week of uh, having a time of which we called Reorient. We spent last week Sunday to Thursday every evening online from 7.30 to 8, just praying and welcoming the new year, praying, pausing and rejoicing and asking and yielding and submitting the year 2022 into the hands of God. And for those who are interested, come join us Wednesday nights. We love praying like this because this is our way corporately to enter into God's presence. If you're online, you can just click show more. The sign-up link is there below you. Or if you get our prayer updates, it's on the Tuesday prayer update. We'll have the link for our prayer times. And thank you for those who have joined us in that time. You see, the power that is there in prayer is Jesus invites his disciples to stand with him in this time. He doesn't go it alone. This is the God of the universe, yet he invites others to stand, watch, and pray with him. I remember I had the privilege of going overseas and serving as an international worker for about eight years after university in East Asia. And one of the best pieces of advice I got before I went was someone who told me, build up a prayer team who will sustain you when you go. And not just 100 people who receive your emails and are able to pray with you like once a month when you send out an update. But like get, out, get those five to ten people, people who can come before God and like these disciples, stand firm beside you. And even if you're going through those times of crisis and you can't even explain it to others, have those two to three people, whether friends, family, people in your small group who can just pray and just, you can send them a text and ask them, hey, I'm struggling with this. This is what's going on. This is the reality I'm facing and they can stand firm with you. I think a big reason Jesus takes the disciples with him on his journey is because he wants them to understand the power that comes when we pray together, when we gather together in prayer and stand firm together. And as Jesus takes them and, and shares this with them, he calls them to stay here and keep watch with me. And then he goes a little further in verse 39. And he falls on his face to the ground and prays this beautiful prayer. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. I just want to kind of pause on this and break it up and parse it into three areas. The first is when Jesus, the God of the universe, is he goes, what is his first cry? My father. You'll see this repeated in verse, I think, 42 later as well. He, he comes before God the Father, and says, my Father. Because what does prayer begin with? It begins with a relationship. It begins with knowing who God is. Here is Jesus himself, fully God, fully man, experiencing the depth of his humanity and suffering and pain. And he comes before his heavenly Father and says, my Father. He's coming into a relationship where he knows he's loved, he's heard, and he's accepted. And we, as followers, go before our God in prayer we can also cry out, my father, because he loves us, he cares for us, and wants to hear our prayers. And is inviting us constantly to ask him in prayer and to bring those prayer requests before him. After he says, my father, he says those words, if it is possible, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Now, I know when I was kind of taught to pray, pray I think we always think like, God, may, let your will be done. We always thought we're taught praying that, praying that way. God, may your will be done. And that seemed like the holy and righteous prayer. No matter what we were doing, we can say, God, may your will be done. Yet here is Jesus 
the second person of the Trinity, fully God, fully man, crying out in his pain before his heavenly father. Just think about that. This shows the full humanity of Jesus. And Jesus is modeling the full humanity and showing that before his disciples. Why? Because we have to enter into our humanity in order to cry and submit to God's will for our life. You know, if you think about the natural, I I was thinking about my dad. My dad was diagnosed with cancer at the start of COVID in 2020. And one thing I had done at the start of uh, at the start of a new year, is kind of look back at old journal entries. Let's be honest, when I look back at my journal entries about my dad, I didn't have many, Lord, not my will, but yours will be done prayers in there. My prayers are like, God, what is happening? God, what is going on? What, why is this happening? Please heal my father. May you do a miracle. May you do a wondrous thing. And, and by God's grace, when the doctors told my dad he only had seven months to live, and He's still here today. He's doing well. He's doing fine. And we praise God for the miracle that he's done in his life. But in order for me in those early months to get to a point that I could submit to God's will, I had to be real in front of him. And I just want to give everyone here the gift that in our own suffering, in our own pain, in our own losses, in our own grief, in our own tears, we can't just brush those aside and say, Lord, let your will be done. We have to go and submit that struggle that we have in our heart in order to truly be able to say, yet not my will, but yours be done. And here we have Jesus crying out those words, if it is possible, may this cup, may this cup of suffering be taken from me. Yet then he finally cries out, yet not as I will, but as you will. It's amazing because yielding isn't something that we just do. Following God through the difficult times isn't something that just comes easily. It's, it's a process. And for some of us, we've lost loved ones. We've experienced grief. We've, had just, we've failed at school or work or different expectations that we had for ourselves. And some of you maybe have just had your New Year's goals and it's January 9th. You're like, I've already failed at 50% of these things already. But here, here's the thing about yielding to God. It's a process. It takes time. And so I just want to encourage you that God has grace upon grace for those who don't meet his standards because he knows that this is a process that he's drawing you to himself and making him more, making you more like him. And for us to truly be able to say, yet not my will but yours be done, we have to go through this process. Yielding is a process and it takes time and sometimes it takes years. Secondly, yielding makes us more like Jesus. Yielding makes us more like Christ. And I think a big part of this journey here is Jesus is not just journeying for himself. He's taking these disciples with him on his journey. You know, in verse 31 to 35, Jesus tells all his disciples, tonight you all fail me. You'll all let me down. On account of me, yeah, you'll all fall away on account of me. And then Peter in his boldness, I love Peter. Because I kind of feel like Peter sometimes. Like, no, 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 Jesus, I can do this. And and Peter's like, Jesus, even if everyone else does, I won't. And Jesus is like, you know, I hear what you're saying, but in 12 hours, you will deny me three times. If I was Peter and I was just called out by Jesus, I would be like on my best behavior. I'd be like trying to prove to Jesus that I was a good disciple, that I'm going to nail this. But look what Peter does next. And I find this very encouraging as a follower of Jesus. 
he falls asleep. Not once, not twice, but three times. After being called out and, telling, being, and saying that I'm, I'm going to be the last one standing, he can't even stay up and keep watch with Jesus. Yet Jesus still takes them and invites them. He takes his 11 disciples. He takes the three inner circle. He shares his struggles. He asks them to keep watch and pray with him so he doesn't have to go on this road alone. They fail him, yet the reason Jesus invites them into this is because Jesus invites them into this because he is taking them on his journey to prepare them for their journey. Jesus is inviting the disciples on his journey to prepare them for their journey. And this is a simple definition of what it means to be a disciple. This is what it means to be apprentice. It means walking in the way of Jesus so we can take others to the cross as well. Jesus is trying to show them the importance of what? He's teaching them the importance of watching and praying. And we see that in verse 41. He tells his disciples, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. That word, watch, in the Greek, you see it a lot, actually, at the back end of the book of Matthew. And actually, in Jesus' end-time teachings in Matthew 24 and 25, he uses that phrase a lot. Because the end-times teaching, one of the big principles that Jesus tries to give us, it's not about knowing when the end's coming or times and dates and prophecies. It's about being ready, watching, being ready at any moment for his return and living in a state of watchfulness and readiness. And Jesus is saying, hey, the world, road ahead of you is going to be tough for you, disciples. There's going to be a lot of suffering, a lot of pain, a lot of difficulties that you will experience. But I want you to do this. I want you to watch, and I want you to pray. And simply put, that means I want you to watch. I want you to be ready. I want you to be alert. And I want to keep your eyes open. And I want you to pray. And what does prayer do? Prayer draws us into the presence of God. You see, when we watch and we're alert and ready, and when we're praying and drawing into his presence, that's how we flee from temptation. So often when we think of temptation, we think of like, I got to resist this temptation. That's really good. But when we replace that, the temptation, with something greater, which is the presence of our holy God, that temptation subsides and looks a lot smaller and a lot less, a lot less tempting. Jesus is teaching them the importance of being ready and, and entering into his presence through prayer so that they won't fall into temptation. I was thinking about that in my own life. I know for myself, I struggle, I can struggle with anger. I can get really frustrated uh, with my kids, with my wife, with my friends. It's something that yeah, I, 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 I truly struggle with. And as I was thinking, how do I flee from this temptation and grow as a follower of Jesus? I think a big part of it is be ready. Watch. Have a state of watchfulness. Know what my triggers are, what sets me off, my state, like my stress levels and what's going on around me but also continually praying, drawing into God's presence, experiencing his nearness in my life. Because that is the way I will flee from temptation and become more like Christ. You see, one of the things that yielding does is it makes us more like Christ. And the whole process of yielding is making us like Christ each and every day. And here's the reality about yielding. No one wants to learn how to yield. It is painful, it is hard, it is difficult, it is challenging. And from those who I know who have walked with Jesus for decades, it doesn't get easier, it actually gets harder in some ways. Yet there's a joy to be found there as we yield and follow in the way of Jesus because we actually become more like Christ. Hebrews, I was reading Hebrews a couple weeks ago and there's a line that stood out to me. 
from Hebrews chapter 12. And you don't have to turn there. Let me just read it to you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7, simply says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. <laughs> uh, no one likes to endure hardship. Who here likes to endure hardship? Anyone? Anyone? Maybe? No? Okay. No one likes to endure hardship. We like to avoid hardship. When we go through difficult times, what do we do? We ask God, take this away. Take away this pain. Take away this suffering. Take away this hurt. Yet here's the reality that Jesus, that we, that we learn from Hebrews. Sometimes we endure hardships because it's for our good and it's for our growth. And we do it as children. We go back to the asking. We ask as children who come unashamedly to God. We also have an identity as children of God. And God is only allowing and doing these things so that we become more like him. That's really key. If he didn't care, he wouldn't do anything. But because he cares, we experience difficulties and suffering so we become more like him each and every day. Let me try to explain this. And sometimes it's a difficult thing to understand. It's a painful thing, especially if you're in the midst of pain and suffering. I've seen in my life the people who have gone through divorce and who God has healed in that journey are some of the best people to minister to others who are going through divorce. Those who have lost a son or a daughter at a young age. I, I, I was talking to my mechanic the other day and he lost his son and he's just like, I would wish this upon no one. Not even my worst enemy. Yet when God works in those people's lives, and sometimes it takes years, sometimes it takes decades, those people become some of the greatest ministers of the gospel to care for others who are going through the same sort of suffering and pain. In my own life, I think nine years ago, I went through like a mental health crisis breakdown, and that was something I would never want to go through again. I would never wish it upon anyone else. Um, and if you asked me seven years ago or six years ago, I would not be able to say thank you, Jesus, for that moment in my life. But if you ask me now, I, I can somehow say, by God's grace, thank you. Because I think that moment humbled me and softened my heart. It allowed me to journey with people with more compassion and care who are going through the same struggles. So if there is something in your life that is just, that you're just struggling to yield to, that is just, just eating you up or just, it's just so challenging or so painful, I just want to just let you know that yielding is a process and God is with you through the entire process. God is with you through that entire suffering and he doesn't let you go. You may not feel that, you may not experience it. It may be years since you've experienced his presence and I know it's so tough, but he is an unchanging God and that yielding is a process yet he cares about you deeply. And as you go to him, he will transform you and make you more like him. And he, he will use you powerfully to bless others in the years and decades to come. There's something mysterious that happens in the gospel. That the gospel, when it works in our hearts, somehow uses pain, suffering, and the broken evilness of this world to transform us and make us into uh, beacons of light that are a part of transforming this world and proclaiming Christ's goodness to others. When we yield and place our trust in God, we become more like him. And he uses us powerfully. 
when we yield and place our trust in God, we acknowledge our limits. And this is huge. We realize that, hey, maybe we say, Lord, do this or heal this or heal my family member or transform the situation. And sometimes we just have to stop and acknowledge, hey, we, we're like down here and God sees everything. And maybe we just don't understand the big picture. We don't understand what he's doing. When we yield and place our trust in God, we also have to acknowledge that sin blinds us from seeing our own picture clearly, our own reality clearly. See, sin is not just something we do. It's, it's a power. It's something that's infected the whole world. It, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, the power of sin and the bondage of sin has been broken. Yeah, thank, so thanks be to God for his death and resurrection, the death and resurrection of Christ, which allows us to be restored in our relationship with God. Yet those blinders of sin can prevent us from seeing our own realities clearly. So this is why when we ask in prayer, when we go before God and we say, God, do this, God, do that, God, do that, we have to yield as well. We ask as children unashamedly because our God loves us and wants to hear, yet at the same time we yield because we don't understand him fully. We don't understand his plan. We don't know what he's doing and why he is doing it. Only then are we able to cry out, yet not my will, but yours be done. You know, in verse 45, I do feel bad for these disciples. I don't think I would be any different. I'd make strong claims that I could follow Jesus. Like, I would be a great follower. I think I would be like Peter, you know, fall asleep three times, deny him three times. Yet, that's okay, because the disciples were on our journey. Jesus knew they were people in process, just like you and I are people in process. And you know what? Look at what he did with those disciples. Years later, as those disciples would go out, be bold warriors, they would heal people, they would proclaim the good news, they would travel across the entire world proclaiming the good news of Jesus. They would be beaten, persecuted, and killed for the gospel of Christ. And here they are here repeatedly failing time and time again. And this is really encouraging to me. Because as a disciple of Jesus, I feel like I fail over and over again. I don't know about you. But the good news is that yielding is a process. Yielding makes us more like Christ. And as we persevere through the power of the Holy Spirit, he transforms us and makes us more like himself. Just like those disciples uh, who slowly became people who were passionate and excited and trans and people who transformed the world for his glory. So my word of encouragement for you is just those beautiful words of watch and pray. Jesus invited his disciples into his life so that they, so that he could model to them that you, we don't do this life journey alone. We don't do our relationship with God as individuals, but we invite others to journey with us to pray and stand firm together. To yield in prayer is simply to make ourselves ready to respond to God's call for our life. As we look at what does that mean to follow God's call for our life, I think yielding will look different for each of us. For some of us, when you think about a yield sign, right, you get to a yield sign, if there's nobody there, you gotta go. If there's lots of cars, you gotta stop. And sometimes you have to just slow down, wait for the opportunity, and then go. For each of us in our life, there are different things that we struggle to yield with. 
There's different things that we struggle to surrender to God. And so as you think about in your life right now, I just encourage you to think about and write down what is the one or two things that I'm struggling to yield, with, yield to. Could be a job you want to quit or a job you want to have, a career that you desire to be a part of. Maybe it's a struggle in marriage. Maybe it's your desire to be married. Maybe it's, it's, a, it's a relationship with a parent, a spouse, or a child that is just so challenging. Now I want you to just pray and think because yielding will look different for each of us. For some of us, we need to be ready to go. And I say this, especially if you're naturally more cautious or risk adverse, sometimes when we get to that yield sign, we need to just be able to go. There's an opening, God has made it clear and we just need to take that risk. We need to take out, step out in faith and trust him, whether that be quitting that job, moving across the country or trying something new in our employment or in our life. And my encouragement for you right now, if this is where you are at, I pray that God will give you the courage to yield and step out in faith and trust that he will take care of you. For others of us, yielding will look different. Some of us need to stop. Maybe that means there's a particular sin in your life that you're struggling with. Maybe it's anger. Uh, maybe it's uh, pornography. Maybe it's something else in your life that is destroying your life and you need to just get rid of it and let go. And my prayer for you is that as you ask, you will yield and say, God, take this away. Maybe for others of us, it's just habits that aren't helping us move closer to Christ. Maybe our phone or our devices control too much of our life and we just need to find ways to let go and disconnect so that we can be in a place where we can experience God's presence daily. For some of us, we just need to stop and turn from sin or turn from toxic habits and put ourselves in a place uh, just to, to push that away. For others of us, it may be slowing down. Some of us are gung-ho to go and we're excited about something, but God's just saying, yield, slow down and wait. Don't quit that job yet. Don't take that job yet. Don't give up in this struggle that I've placed you in. Don't give up on this relationship with this person that's not quite done yet. And so my blessing for you is, may you hear from him as you spend time in his presence whether he is calling you to go and take that risk, to stop and yield that way, or to slow down and wait for his timing, to persevere in the trials, remembering that a loving God is using this to make you more like himself. You see, to yield in prayer is to make ourselves ready to respond to God's call for our life. And that call for you may be different from the person sitting next to you. But I pray that, my hope is that you will hear exactly what God is calling you to do in, this, in the year 2022. As I invite the worship team to come up on stage to lead us in the last song, I just want to give you a last word of encouragement. The reality is we cannot yield to the will of God without scripture, prayer, and in the context of community. That's why we love small groups. That's why we talk about small groups all the time because they're communities of scripture and prayer. And as you spend time on your knees praying, I just encourage you to spend time in God's word. Spend time in scripture. Spend time praying on your own and with others. Invite a few other people into your journey, your struggle to yield to whatever is in your life. And the beauty here is that God works in community so well. He speaks through mentors, through wise people in your life, through good counsel. 
And my prayer is that he will make it clear what you are supposed to do as you move forward in the struggle that you are facing. To yield in prayer is to make ourselves ready to respond to God's call for our lives. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more on us as a church and ways to connect, please visit us online at firstalliancechurch.org.